I'm your host, Josh Buckhalter. Follow me on Twitter at Josh G. Buck. Hit up the Facebook page, Clocker Sports website, clockersports.com. The email address is clockersports at gmail.com. And of course, the podcast sites are at Three Zeros Pod. You can find that on Facebook and Twitter. The NFL season is a wrap. Well, the regular season. It's a wrap. 17 weeks, uh, a few rescheduled, a little bit shuffling. Nothing extended, though. They didn't have to go to the 18th week. But they did decide to expand to the seventh playoff team in each conference. So, that being said, uh, that means the playoff fields are officially set and we no longer have to uh, pontificate as to who will be making it and who will not and who will be on the outside cry, uh, crying. So, the first thing that we notice is that, uh, well, it's, it's you get one by in each conference, right? And that'll be the Packers and the Chiefs, who, by the way, let me get this out of the way right now, are my Super Bowl favorites because, duh, I think that's who the league wants. Um, I think that's honestly probably the best game that we could get would be those two. I'm not saying that we would get a bad game necessarily, but I think that that would definitely be uh, the best game that we would get. And, uh, again, I think the league's wanted this since the 100 uh, celebration a couple years ago, so, or a year ago. So, I think this is the one. You know, Packers, Chiefs, that would be what they want. But, what we do get right now, for sure, is a super wild card weekend, and the schedule has already been released. Uh, starting at noon central, the AFC will have Indianapolis Colts taking on the Buffalo Bills in Buffalo. Buffalo's first playoff game in God knows how long. Uh, well, obviously, you know what I mean. Um, Buffalo being the dominant force they are since the 90s. That's what I was getting at there. Uh, this one, I think it's going to have to be Buffalo. Like, we'll, we'll go into this a little bit more on Thursday, but I'll give you a quick synopsis. Buffalo has just been the powerhouse uh, this season. Indianapolis defense is good, but I don't think it's good enough, and the offense definitely is not good enough to keep up. Now, they've run well, and that's been one thing that Buffalo hasn't been able to do on either side of the ball is run or stop the run. So if Indianapolis has any chance of winning this game, it's going to be by keeping the ball on the ground. And I would say that that would force Josh Allen to be a passer. And if this was a year or so ago, I would say that that was a problem. But as what we've seen this year, I'm not sure that that's necessarily going to be enough to keep Buffalo down and, and knock them out. Indianapolis is going to have to step up. Phillip Rivers has played better as the season has gone on, but I just don't know if they have enough to take out Buffalo. Again, we'll go into this a little bit deeper. I'll break down some of the matchups that I do like uh, and don't like for both teams coming up on the next episode. But next matchup we have will be at 340 Central. That'll be the Rams taking on Seattle Seahawks in Seattle. This one, listen, I'm rooting for the Rams, and I have no other reason other than the fact that they're the reason why my hometown team, Chicago Bears, made it to the playoffs because they took care of business against the Arizona Cardinals. And we'll talk about that a little bit more in a moment. Um, but I also like them because their opponent, Seattle, doesn't really do well against them. Now, they beat them last time, that's fine. What we did see, though, is that, we, or what we know, rather, is that Russell West, Russell Westbrook, I always get Russell Westbrook and Russell Wilson. For some reason, it's the mouth motion, it's the RW, Russell w that, you know, automatically throws me into uh, a kind of a mode here. But 
I don't have the uh, the kind of faith that I think I I probably should have in Russell Wilson um, that I had in Russell Wilson earlier on in this season after seeing some of the the plays that he's made um, when it's mattered most. We talked about this a little bit a few episodes ago that I just don't know if there is the uh, if there's the same amount of killer instinct there for him in these kind of hypercritical, hyper-pressurized moments that there are in others. Um, I think that might be why we saw some of the, why we see some of the lack of MVP votes, because at times when you might want him to elevate, it, there's been a lot this year, at, you know, even, where you just kind of look at it and you're like, mm, I, I don't know about that one, Russ. Decision-making has been kind of questionable at times. Uh, physical, obviously. Um, that'll, that'll lead you to question it. But, yeah, it's it just... If I had to pick one, I would say the Rams. I mean, and that's before I had a rooting interest in what they were going to do. Uh, yeah, they won. They beat the Rams 20-9. to nine. I, I don't know, man. I don't know if I see them. Now, that granted, Jared Goff got hurt that game, I believe, as well. So that was a, a big thing. He should be back for this one. That'll be interesting. But I, I, the history here favors Sean McVay over Russell Wilson. Uh, and, and the Seahawks, despite the fact that this will be in Seattle. There won't be the 12s there, so I don't think it's going to have the same kind of impact. Will it be John Walford or will it be Jared Goff? And at this point, really, will, will it really matter with Goff's thumb? Now, he should be, again, I think he should be healthy uh, for this game. We'll update again, as I said, on Thursday. But, yeah, early one, got to go with the with the Rams on that one for multiple, multiple layers of reasons because, uh, yeah, man. If I didn't, I, I wouldn't be grateful. And I, I, I spent all of Saturday hoping and praying that they would take care of business against Arizona so that the Bears didn't have to be Green Bay because I knew how that was going to turn out. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> it worked out. So the last game that we get on Saturday is going to be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the uh, Washington football team. Chase Young put out a tweet saying, Tom Brady, I'm coming. Here's the thing. Washington can beat Tampa. And it's not because Tampa's not better than Washington. They are definitely a better, a more talented team than Washington. I'm not sure if they're a better team than Washington in terms of, uh, maybe they're getting there now because they seem to have hit their stride the past few weeks. But we've seen them be slow starters. We've seen there be miscommunications and at times mental lapses from Brady that we haven't seen throughout his career. And so I, it's not out of the realm of possibility that if this game is played very close to the vest by Washington and they're able to, minimize the impact of the, the explosive Bucks offense and all those weapons, and they're able to put some points on the board themselves with Alex Smith there, they could sneak away with one. They snuck their way into this division. Seven wins. It's incredible. I, you kind of got to, I mean, I'm you know, I root for the upset. This might be the one where I root for it because, again, we've seen Tampa have some slow starts despite the fact that they've gotten hot of late. I just don't think that you can definitively say that they're going to walk away with this game uh and and dom now they very well can. That's not to say they're not t- capable of doing so. I, you know, if there's going to be an upset, I think that might be the one. Sunday's games we have Baltimore, Tennessee. That game's going to be I, I, that's tough. That's tough, uh, especially this year because every time I've doubted Tennessee, they've risen. Every time I've supported Tennessee, they've fallen, and it's been the same kind of story with Baltimore. This one is a tough one to call, and I, if I do if I do a playoff moneymaker uh, article this week for Clocker Sports, which I might because I didn't do I haven't done a, a 
moneymaker order for the past two weeks because of end of season injuries and all this kind of stuff. I just I wasn't going to put my name to anything where I just knew it was going to be so fluky. Playoffs still a little fun. Might mix it up and do a prop bet for each game too. That would be a little, that would be interesting. Um, this one though, Ooh, Buffalo, Baltimore, Tennessee. Uh, Derrick Henry, by the way, congratulations to him, eighth player to uh, reach the two thousand yard mark in an NFL season. That's incredible, especially because when you know what he's going to do on the field most of the time, right? He can catch passes, but he's not a pass catcher, right? And so. Teams know it's coming. They're stacking up the box, and he's still out there accomplishing this. Again, this is a couple years into this now. This isn't new. Uh, hats off to him and, and and what he's done in his short career. Hopefully he can keep it up. I hope he has a very long, long run. We know how running backs are in this NFL, but, dude, it's just great to see what he's doing down there with the Titans. And, uh, yeah, I, I would like to pick a winner for this one. Maybe I'll have one on Thursday, and as I look at the injury report and all that kind of stuff, but right now I got nothing for you because it just there. I think that they it could go either way. This one, Tannehill is perfectly capable of picking apart the Baltimore Ravens defense that doesn't play like a reputation would suggest at all times. And we know what Baltimore can do to anybody, especially a, t- a Tennessee defense that really ain't that good. Side, side, it ain't that good. Next game, Chicago at New Orleans, and that'll be simulcast on Amazon Prime and Nickelodeon, but. The Nickelodeon part is what's funny is because this game is a comedy. The fact that the Bears even made it into the playoffs. I just don't know that I could say the Bears are a playoff team. Like, we know they're not, right? Any other year, they're not going to make it. 8-8, um, eight and eight, that's the record that we all expected. And I actually wrote about this for Last Word on Pro Football. The record that we all expected actually came to fruition. 8-8. 8-8, 7-9, eight eight. Eight eight, maybe even 9-7 if they got lucky. Some optimists had them at 10-6. They finished right around where we expected, with, through all the tumultuousness of the season. I don't know if it would have went any better if you'd have stuck with Trubisky. I think it might have gone better if you'd have gone back to him a little bit sooner. But they're in the playoffs now, and anything can happen. Now, their opponent is New Orleans, and they haven't beaten the Saints since, I believe, 2008. So, <laughs> when you talk about the odds being against you, damn. <laughs> and we just saw what Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, and, and Aaron Jones and those guys did to this defense, Drew Brees and, and company in the crib, um, pissed off that they didn't get the bye. Will Michael Thomas play? We'll see. I don't think it's going to matter, though. I, that's the problem that I had. It's not a good matchup for the Bears. It doesn't match up well because this is a team that knows how to take apart. Brees gets the ball out quickly. Um, Kamara is great with run after catch. Tight end is a weapon. These are recipes for disaster for the Bears. And it's a defense that plays sound football and makes you work your way up and down the field. These are not good things uh, for Mitchell Trubisky and company. And hopefully they figure out a way to uh, to actually get past this because I just don't know that they can, I, they're going to steal one. You're going to steal You're in the Superdome. Like, I, I'm hoping. I'm hoping for it. I don't see it. I got to be honest with you. And then the last game, we have Cleveland again, like I said, at Pittsburgh. This is the third time that we played the season, the second time in two weeks. Um, they beat the Browns, or they beat the Pittsburgh Steelers, rather, the Browns did uh, in 17. But this was against Mason Rudolph, and they blew almost blew a 17-point lead. So I don't have a lot of confidence in the team that we've seen played up and down, um, depending on the day. Those are my early thoughts on this postseason we'll have a lot more in-depth stuff as the, as the week uh, goes on of course when we get the next episode of course but that's what I think about early um, 
Great games, though. Some really great games that are going to be going on this weekend. I'm looking forward to it. Super Wild Card Weekend. They might have to keep that around. They might have to keep that around. Xavier Howard became the first player in uh, NFL since Antonio Cromartie in 2007 to have 10 interceptions in a year. Hats off to him. Part of one hell of a cornerback tandem down there in Miami with Byron Jones. Um, that defense did a lot of the heavy lifting this season um, as that team is oddly playing around with Tua. Here's the thing. You have people questioning their methods of how they're handling him. I've been on record as saying I think they can afford to do both because if they don't like him, they can take somebody else. If they fall to him, they don't have to force the issue, though, because I think he is talented. But they they don't, don't have to be married to him. He kind of just fell to them in the draft BPA type of deal. If they're not sold, okay, so what? I I think that's more people worrying about the fact that they like Tua more than the fact that maybe his coach is no best. On top of that, what's wrong with what they're doing? They're not exposing him to injury. They don't think he's quite healthy. He doesn't look like he's that, all that healthy. He doesn't move the way you would expect him to. So maybe keeping him off the field is for the benefit of his career long term. On top of that, they could afford to try to win now with their draft pick and not being in danger or, or of concern because they have the Houston Texans and their bomba clot fire of a, of a team dragging down their own pick, given that they're sending out their will be top five. So, I don't necessarily have an issue with it. And they, 10 and 6, they didn't make the postseason. But damn it, that's a good year. Why, why are people questioning them with Tua? I don't get it. I don't get it. I do understand that you have uh, Philadelphia, who, by the way, has been getting blasted by from, from multiple angles here uh, about their... I guess taking a dive in week 17. They decided to rest some starters. I forgot how many hundreds of games they said, how many hundreds of snaps they said the, the guys who didn't play um, actually had. But I do find it funny that we're sitting here concerned about it in a week that we know is typically nothing, right? It's typically overlooked anyway. Instead, we're looking at this one kind of trying to figure out, okay, what exactly can we do here to, or, or I'm sorry, we're, we're looking at them trying to figure out what exactly are they going to do because they've seemingly destroyed Carson Wentz's confidence. You heard that there's, the relationship between he and Doug Peterson is beyond repair. So what? They got Jalen Hurts. Okay, but then you pull him and you put in Nate Sudfeld. The, the reasoning for putting in Nate Sudfeld was that he's been here for a while and he they felt like he should have some snaps. The hell does that? I'd be pissed if I was a guy on that team. A lineman, you know linemen don't tank. Linemen don't know how to how to how to phone it in. I'd be pissed. You'd have to be pissed. Because you're going to work and somebody above. Now, we've heard all the stories all year. Howie Roseman is making game day decisions. Um, again, the Wentz and, and, and Peterson thing now. Uh, what what At what point is this become dysfunctional? Like, they went from being one of the model franchises with that Super Bowl run to being on the brink of, of being uh, kind of a circus. It's such a weird fall because it's happened 
before our eyes and and in slow motion from the signing of Wentz, the the uh, before that the usurping of him from by Nick Foles as the guy, right, the beloved leader in that town. Then they eschewed Foles out of town to bring Winston. And I look at him trying to replace the guy that they just signed with that big deal. They didn't come out and flat out say that they weren't trading Carson Wentz. I don't know that you should. I mean, why would you keep him? At this point, you kind of made it clear that you don't. I mean, you're, I, Peterson's coming back. It's weird. And they're just getting, they... Meanwhile, people are worried about them in Week 17. Giants players are pissed. Darius Slayton's pissed. Eli Manning was funny about it. That's He's great on Twitter. Darius Slayton was pissed. I mean, obviously, if they won their games, it wouldn't matter, so that's a moot point. But you had media members pissed, people pissed, because they, they felt like the Eagles rolled over here. And it's hard to argue against that. I don't know. The Cardinals had a late-season collapse. Lost their last two games. This is a team, remember, if you remember, I started the year, Kyler Murphy MVP. And granted, now this last game, Chris Gerwler had to come in because uh, Murray, playing on a bad wheel, got hurt again. So I guess you take these last two with a grain of salt in that regard, and that's why Arrows were able to beat them and back into the playoffs themselves. But, uh... That collapsed. It happened. It's a real thing. San Francisco, who's down, down to everybody. I almost had to play quarterback for him. And to these Rams, who had John Wofford making his first start. Again, Kyler Murray. And I think, let me focus on that game real quick. This Rams-Cardinals game, I think the big difference here is just giving one guy a full week's worth of starts, of starters reps, and the other guy not getting that. Period. We saw Strebler didn't get that. Wofford got that. I don't think it's any more complicated than that. And it cost Arizona a playoff game. I mean, maybe they figured they're not ready anyway. They can get healthy. They don't have the time. Kyler's maybe more banged up than we thought. Who knows? But it doesn't seem like... It doesn't seem like that's... That was necessarily the best choice. I don't know how they would have did it. I honestly, I just don't know how they would have done it otherwise. I don't know what else you would have done. You kind of have to let them go out there and give it a shot. But it definitely doesn't seem like the like the best move when you couldn't beat John Wofford. John Wofford. Yeah, not good. You uh, have a few guys being... Santa Claus, a little late Santa Claus gifts, Christmas gifts here. Tom Brady and Russell Wilson both uh, completing some shovel passes late to Antonio Brown and David Moore, respectively. So they are able to cash in their own reception bonuses for their uh, season. Good moves, good moves. And what something we'll also cover on Thursday is the best and worst GM and head coaching vacancies around the league. Anthony Lynn was let go. Um, you got Doug Marone let go down there in Jacksonville. Um, we know about what's happening in Atlanta. You got, uh, what else? New York fired Adam Gase. So we'll talk about the best and worst spots. Uh, Matt Nagy's apparently safe. I don't know how he became safe, especially with how they played uh, on 
Sunday against Green Bay, but I think that, in, and we'll, we'll wrap this segment up with this, talk about the Bears here, but look for Thursday for the best and worst uh, head coaching and, and GM vacancies around the league. That'll be our, our big topic of conversation and probably going to turn into an article for Clocker Sports as well. Um, but the Bears on Sunday, as they back their way into the playoffs, thanks to the Los Angeles Rams taking care of their business, uh, it, it, which honestly is much uh, as damning of a statement against the Bears as it is a compliment to what the Rams were able to accomplish along uh, at the tutelage, under the tutelage of one Sean McVay. I think we saw that the Bears are the, like I said, that record, they are who we thought they were, Dennis Green, cue the music, and Green Bay is not going to let them off the hook. I don't think New Orleans is going to let them off the hook. But it's funny that they beat New Orleans somehow, they get to play Green Bay again. That's funny to me because they're going to play Green Bay in Green Bay. That's not going to work. Um, ain't going to work. Not going to like it. Pineapples. You're not going to like it. I don't. I don't like the false sense of accomplishment it gives the people in the building and the ability that it gives them to say that they did this. But the fan in me is like, hell yeah, playoffs, baby. Anything can happen. Anything can happen. Playoffs. Playoffs. And it's true. Anything can happen. Injuries, turnovers. Maybe the Bears finally get turnovers. They haven't been getting turnovers all year. But there's so many cracks in this defense. And I wrote about that in that article. How the 8-8 eight eight Bears backed their way into the playoffs despite a frustrating loss to Green Bay where they left at least 12 points on the board when the game still was in the balance. This is the type of stuff that will forever haunt them because they can't solve one thing, and that's quarterback position. And before anybody tries to say anything about how, well, they need to fix this, and they didn't get this right, this, look at Deshaun Watson. Look at how in games the Houston Texans are, right? How often they're in a game just because they have Deshaun Watson. They traded a first and I think a second round pick for Laramie freaking Tunsil and have nothing else to show for that offensive line. And traded DeAndre Hopkins for the shell of David Johnson. But they're in every game because of Sean Watson. Except for the one they played the Bears because they weren't going to let that happen. Hopefully the Bears figure out some something uh, in this. in this. I think they, the draft order is still locked to and they're going to be in pick 20. I think that's how it worked out that they, they're, they're set in there. Despite the fact that they make the playoffs, they don't get to move up or down because of their seeding. Um, but... Maybe I, that's probably all the way wrong because once they, if they do win, I think you would, you would have to readjust. But hopefully they figure something out because Mitch has to go. We saw it with the pick. We saw it with the near pick. We saw it with the, the fake scramble where he could have gotten a first down and, and, and slid at six. We've seen this movie. You lose to Green Bay again, that shouldn't let, let the, the staff stay, but they will. So maybe they get a better quarterback who can help them make that difference because this game was there for the taking and they just couldn't do it. That's disheartening. Switching gears over to the NBA, and uh, 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 somebody finally got some revenge. Damn it. Steph Curry was able to clap back at Damian Lillard after Lillard said uh, of Steph Curry's struggles this season, which it's not really struggles, it's just struggles for Steph. He's only had two games where he had only had two games with 30 plus points uh, this season prior to facing the uh, Trailblazers for the second time. This is after the first one. Dan started talking trash, saying Steph was seeing now with a young team how hard it is to get those quality looks that he was used to getting. Steph responded by dropping 62, which, by the way, 
uh, was one point higher than Dame's high against the uh, Warrior or his career high. So Steph said, not only will I show you that I can still get my shots off, but I'll also show you that I can do it better than you. Here's the thing about about what I, I think people are feeling about Steph is maybe at points you got to realize he's trying to find a way to get the other guys going. Now, he's not scoring well. I wouldn't say he's having a great year. I'm saying that you might have been witnessing him trying to find a way to mesh better with these guys and Andrew Wiggins and Kelly Oubre who've been ass for the first few games. Well, he responded with the 62. He dropped 30 the next night uh, against the Kings, and they, you might have just woken a, a sleeping giant because the one thing you don't want to do is motivate somebody who's been there and done that. And Steph has been there and done that despite the fact that you might not like how I think we're, we've gotten to a point now where we do that a little bit too much with stars and, and greats. Is, is We harp on the things they don't do because we dislike them. Or the things that they don't do that we wish they did, rather. right? They don't do it how we like, so it's not good enough. And we dismiss all the other qualities. And Steph has done too much for that to happen. And so when Dame said it, which is funny for Dame to even say it, Steph responded accordingly. Now, to Dame's credit, he did say, hey, can't dish it if I can't take it. Way to respond. So, you know, handshakes and, 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 and daps, all good. Just an interesting interesting moment. I think the league might be in a little bit of trouble. They're not making no playoffs but because the rest of that roster is ass, like I said. But once play comes back, they could make a little bit of noise. I mean, not players. They're not making it to the finals. Depending on when Clay comes back, though, we could see it. We could see them make some, some noise in the playoffs. I don't know. I don't think they'll get there because the rest of the roster is just too bad. Um... But Steph can still definitely get his points when he wants to. Julius Randle uh, is among the players who have been killing it. We talked about this a little bit uh, last episode with the hot stars for Boston and Orlando. Um, not Boston, I'm sorry. For um, Orlando and Cleveland, who's actually cle- uh, cooled off since then a little bit. But uh, continuing with that theme... Julius Randle has been killing it. Uh, he's averaging 20-plus points for the second time in his career. His numbers had dropped down the past couple of games, and then he exploded for 28 points on Monday night. So that's a big boost for him. Him and R.J. Barrett have actually had resurgences. And you got to credit, at least I give credit, uh, a big part of it to Tom Thibodeau and what he's able to do with organizations and reestablishing a culture. Um, we saw it with... Uh, Minnesota and how he brought respectability back to that franchise, and I think he's going back with the Knicks now. If you got guys putting out points like that, Julius Randle had a triple double the other day, right? Um, Thibs just knows how to coach. You gotta you gotta save him from himself a lot of the times with grinding guys down, but Thibs knows how to coach, and so I'm not surprised to see these guys taking a step forward, especially a guy like Randall. Uh, a big with energy who just loves to play and does all the, the dirty, the little things that you love love to see out of a bas- basketball player. Barrett stepping up is um, uh, uh, something that I like to hear and see. He was a guy that I liked coming out of college, coming out of Duke. Um, slow start, kind of like Cam Reddish down in Atlanta, who I think we've seen come into his own a little bit more. He started at the end of last year, continued it somewhat this year. So um, those are two guys who I think came in with a lot of expectations, didn't quite live up to them. Um, but they have started to show signs that they are going to be everything that we thought that they could be and more. Christian Wood is another guy. And more than the fact that he's averaging 23 points per game and 10 rebounds per game this season, um, that meme that's floating around about his girlfriend dumping him, 
on draft night because he went undrafted. And now he signed that big-ass contract with the Rockets, and he's out here killing it. That's one of the best stories ever. It's not because of the pain for her. I don't care about that. It's because of the success for him because I'm sure at that moment he felt at his lowest. He said that uh, he didn't go drafted, and that night he dropped her off at the airport and didn't see her again. Now, you might say, oh, man, that's nothing. He'll get over when whatever. I'm sure in his world, at that moment, that was crushing. To see him go from that and to climb his way up to now, you might not call it the top to you, but to him, to the top, right? You know what I mean? Hats off to you, Mr. Wood. Kudos. That's a beautiful story. Love to see it. Again, not because of the pain that, it, that she might be going through or whatever regret she might suffer from it. She might not regret it at all. I don't care. It's about the success story of him. And, again, coming back from a point that had to have been a low point for a young man in this world. That's just facts. Jeremy Grant, another guy who I've, I've been a fan of for quite some time, um, but is coming to his own. He's essentially doubled his stats since going from the uh, Denver Nuggets over to the Detroit Pistons. And one of the reasons why he said he went was because he didn't he wanted more of an opportunity. And... You could say that he went from going 12 points, 3 boards, and 75% free throw shooting in Denver last season to 23-5 and 84.6 in Detroit this year. And again, a guy that I've been watching for some time that I think it's just great to see him uh, blossoming, doing his thing in another city. Hopefully he continues. Hopefully it's just him scratching the surface and he has another level he can get to still because that's dope. 23 points per game. A dude who's been a role player, defensive guy, hustle guy. Worked his way up. Love to see that kind of stuff, man. Really do. Real quick, back to that Blazers and Warriors. A little tidbit there. The Blazers had hired uh, Jim Boylan as an assistant or an observer, something like that, before that. Brought him in as a defensive consultant. The game that Steph had 62. You can't make this shit up, I promise. That is the funniest thing I've ever heard in my life. Oh, my gosh. That's what they get. That's what you get. Who brings in Jim Boylan? Have you not watched the Bulls' defense? You had to think he must be going around just slandering Zach and them. Has to be. 76 is real quick before we move on to those bulls and talk about the how disastrous and slanderous, how much slander they actually deserve. 76ers are the best team in the NBA. Currently have the best record in the league, 6-1. Doc Rivers has those boys playing well. It's early, but that's impressive. You got to take them as they come. As they come. You can't really dwell on the fact that it's only been that many games because if you do, you'll be doing that until the season's over. And the fact of the matter is, I think we were all prepared to blow this thing up in the offseason. A good chunk of us. I know I was. And I still kind of am. <laughs> but that was just because I thought the Bulls could probably get one of those two guys. That's not happening. Um, Doc's got his two superstars. And he's going to make it work somehow, some way. Even if he has to force them uh, to coexist at, at times. So, Hats off to what you're doing down there, or up there, over there, whatever, however you want to phrase that, uh, in Philly, and, and keep doing your thing. Wrapping up with these Bulls, though, speaking of Chicago, guys, they are the same team. Billy Donovan's Billy Donovan finding that out. Fans are finding that out. I am coming back to that reality after I had said it all off season. They are the same team. There's talent in the front, in the backcourt. Um, there's no direction, though. It's two shooting guards with free reign. Um, there's a young wing with a lot of talent. Patrick Williams, look, my next video might be Tyler Mia Copa. 
like I did for Luca, because I did the same. I have to do the same thing for Patrick Williams because I was dogging the pick on draft night. But I am very impressed with the young man's poise, pace, and his overall game. Just the way he plays, just with his feel, his 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 demeanor. I love it. Love it all. Uh, him and Kobe are fixtures on this team, and Daniel Gafford. Everybody else can go in my book. I'm back on move the bigs. Get get both of those guys. I don't need Wendell out here as as well as he's played of late. Whatever. Don't care. Don't care. Lowry, don't care. Both of them are too inconsistent for me to feel like, oh, you should be investing in them long-term where they deserve to get. Nope. If the opportunity arises to upgrade either one of those positions, I'm sure the Bulls will do it anyway, but I'm not even hesitating, and I'm actually looking for a way to make something out of nothing with their with them because I'm not sure that they have it. I'm just not. I think Billy Donovan sees that. I don't know if Billy Donovan, though, like I said in the offseason, is the guy to turn that around. He might just be a guy to identify it and kind of bring it to the surface because he has that kind of clout and cachet. But I don't know if he necessarily has a plan to turn that part around. I have I've long said I think a lot of the the resurrection of OKC last season was thanks in, uh, to Chris Paul. Hopefully I'm wrong about that. I don't make negative um Determination. I don't. I don't say negative things about my team in hopes that they prove true. I hope I'm wrong. This is just what I'm seeing right now. These these Bulls look the exact same, and I think they know that. I think they kind of knew that coming in, though, and that's you know they weren't necessarily in a position to make those kind of moves, so they didn't. And so now we're seeing the that coming to fruition. Same thing with the Bears. Look, man, you're in transition. We'll see what they do. We'll see what the Bulls do. Uh, but it definitely doesn't look promising early on and as far as this team taking major steps forward and that's that's unfortunate they got they got those blazers and that's why boiling was there for they just did that so boiling can get um, run at the bulls real quick and, and and blow them out and smirk on the sideline if i see him somewhere on the sideline i am going to be pissed for this game i swear that game is coming on tuesday night so we'll see what happens that's going to do it for this episode of Triple Zeros. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at Joshy Buck. Hit up the Facebook page and Twitter for the podcast at Three Zeros Pod. The website for the podcast and a bunch of other podcasts, clocksports.com. Uh, the email address is clocksports at gmail.com. Website, clocksports. Uh, I'm sorry, Facebook, clocksports, and Twitter at clocksports as well. Of course, like I said, be sure to read the articles last word in pro football. Eight and eight bears back into the playoffs despite loss. Um, be on the lookout for a Bulls numbers that count article coming out. And I'll probably do a stock watch too because we've had enough data now to see who's up and who's down. So I might do a stock watch first and then end the week um, with a numbers that count so I can make sure that we are staying pretty up today. Also, Thursday we'll be talking about the uh, playoff matchups and, and getting a little bit more in-depth there. And uh, we'll have a little bit of fun with the head coaching. So the very next time, though, you already know what it is. Man. I'm going to go.